Hello and welcome to the AMBOSS podcast, Beyond the Textbook. Every two weeks, experts from AMBOSS, the medical education platform, interview medical students and healthcare professionals to showcase international perspectives on everything in medical school and beyond the textbook. Welcome to the AMBOSS podcast, Beyond the Textbook, where we provide medical students and physicians with in-depth insights and expert knowledge that goes beyond your traditional medical textbooks. I'm Sophie Neal, and today we're joined by one of our previous Ambossians, Dr. Dan Levy. Dan has studied medicine in Romania, and while there, he's also completed his step one and two. He actually made it to the top 15 percentile in both exams and has gone on to also train as a doctor in the UK. So he's kindly agreed to share some of his study secrets with us. If you caught our previous episode with Dan, you'll know that he also lived in Germany, where we originally met at Ambos, as he was an integral part of our USMLE expertise team. He also practiced medicine in Germany for about two years before moving to the UK. Thank you so much for being here today, Dan. You've been very busy. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. So you've decided to practice medicine in Europe and the UK but you also studied for the USMLE to practice in the US. Tell us a bit more about that. Right. So I was on the highway to the US residency. I finished step one and step two, and I was about to go to the US to do my residency there. And then my best friend, Luisa, who is an artist in the Romanian mountains, she said, drop everything. Let's take a break. Let's go to Southeast Asia for about a month. And I found myself volunteering as a doctor in a Buddhist medical complex in Myanmar, And while I was there with the monks, they told me that I can go to a meditation retreat. And, you know, I took this 12-hour bus going through roads that I don't even know their names. And we got to a mountain that doesn't have a name. And we meditated there with the monks. And I reflected a lot about my decision to go to the U.S. And every time I would close my eyes and breathe deeply, I understood that I doubt my motives and... I could always imagine my time in Germany with my friends in Europe and staying close to my family. And almost uh, with this, I would say, rather impulsive decision, I decided to go to Germany. So a day afterwards, um, when I had this realization, I was already flying away from Myanmar. A week afterwards, I got the German visa. And then 10 months afterwards, I started practicing medicine in Germany. And the rest is history. That's absolutely incredible. And something that I don't assume a lot of medical students get that chance, you know, to <laughs> stop and think, you know, it's such a fast paced life and learning so much all the time and trying to make it to your goal to actually be able to stop and think and reroute. I think that's really a privilege and also very brave as well. Thank you very much. So you decided not to go to the US, you decided to go to Germany, but then you decided to go to the UK. So why the UK instead of the US? That's a very good question. Why the UK instead of the US? So the first factor would be the speciality itself. At this point, I decided to go into family medicine. I had the vision of being part of my community and connected to the community and continuity of care. I love knowing my patients. And it took me 
really three years of very difficult internal conflicts to be able to say, I want to do family medicine and not stay in the hospital. So from reading and listening to stories about people who did family medicine in the US and the UK, I got this vague sense, and I'm saying vague because it's not my personal experience. I never trained in the US. So it's just from what people told me that training in the UK as a family physician, what we call in England GP, general practitioner, could fit my needs much better. So the way that it's built, the different rotations, the length of training is also equal between the countries, which is something which is absolutely not the case regarding other specialities. So which speciality you're going to go for played a very important part in this decision-making process. Now, my chances of receiving one of the best training spots in the UK back then was very high. I knew that I can score high in exams without fail, and I knew that I could make it. Now, standing from where I am, I wouldn't make the decision again because it wouldn't be as easy to enter the speciality in the UK. But I saw that I have this opening and that it's getting narrow. And I knew that if I'm going to act relatively fast, then I would be able to make it the GPs or family physicians of the UK are in a very prestigious position given the global shortage of GPs. So one can transition relatively smoothly into Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and even the US. A UK graduate for family medicine can now move there and practice medicine as long as you have the USMLE. On top of all of that, I had a mentor that helped me. He's a UK-based colleague. He's also a family physician trainee from Cambridge. His name is Daniel Evan. And speaking with him, you know, throughout this process gave me this great clarity and much needed support regarding what I want to do and how to do it. And now that I'm here in Cambridge and we're in the same city, he still supports me on a weekly basis, and I cannot emphasize how much progression this gives to my personal and professional life. I think that's really excellent. I think this is something really important for medical students to learn more about if, if they don't have a mentor. So maybe you can tell us more about this and how you were able to find great people to give you that advice and to guide you. Right. So mentors are really everything in medicine, in my opinion, and also in life. So a mentor's role in your life is to understand how you tick and function. And they see that throughout your progression, because usually they stay with you for a very long period, right? And then they apply their experience and expertise into your life. And in this way, instead of walking in the dark and bumping into walls for a very long duration, you just have this bridge that they build and you can cross the bridge instead of making all of those mistakes and errors that cost a lot of time and effort. Specifically, mentors in the medical fields are important because medicine is much more of a craft than many other professions, in my personal opinion. Medicine is this field where your personality and personal life often very much intertwine and are interwoven very deeply with your job as a doctor. And therefore, you need someone to help you to make order and how to find this gentle balance in your life, which is truly not easy as a doctor, I think. I find that mentors are usually created when there is a deep need. Usually there is a dissonance between what should happen and reality that produces difficulties. 
So at that point, there is a dissonance, right, between the reality and the expectations. And from that dissonance comes the need to have a mentor. So to discover a mentor, you're basically looking for someone that reached a status in life that you wish to reach. But it's not only that. This person managed to do it in a fashion that you deem admirable. To recruit the mentor, you need to be very vulnerable. You need to present yourself in this open space. And to come and to be able to say, I'm lost, you need to do that in an elegant manner. You need for them to understand why and how you're lost. What are the pieces in play? So they could shift the pieces and rearrange them in a way that would give you the solution. And you need to help them see the purpose that you have in your mind and in yourself and to believe in it. Amazing. I think that's also some really excellent advice and something that it sounds like you're already paying forward as a mentor. So you scored in the top 15 percentile in step one and step two, and also in the top 15 percentile in the MSRA multi-speciality recruitment assessment in the UK. So how did you do it and how can others do it? I'm sure people are dying to hear your tips. So the entire mindset and studying schedule that we built when I was a USMLE advisor in Ambos with my team that had an expertise in the USMLE field, I would argue is bulletproof. I simply copied the approach and mindset that we had in Ambos for the USMLE to the MSRA, and it functioned fantastically. It was just great. It was simple. It was easy. You know, in my time in Ambos, my team received people that had predictors of 230s, and then we took them to their 250s plus. And I saw people who failed the steps, and then we took them to a match. So I just used that approach, and it was fantastic. Now, the MSRA resources are, in comparison to Ambos, I would say, very superficial. So that means that if you have a topic, let's say a neurological disease or COPD, it doesn't matter, then 80% of all of the questions you would be able to answer with the MSRA resources. But then there are those 20% questions that are just very difficult and challenging. And what happens with those 20%? So using the AMBOS library and our AMBOS USMLE methodology just allowed me to crack them open, to answer them correctly. I also felt that I could reach information that I need much faster than others. You need to take that in the context that I had a full-blown job as a doctor, right? Like I was doing a set of nights before I took the exam. And the fact that I could access information so fast was a great advantage. So in Ambos, you have those tables and summaries of the material in a high-yield form, which is absolutely phenomenal because they give you this kind of life hack where somebody already hacked the exam, understood what information you need in order to ace the exam, and then present it for you in such an easy-to-digest format And then you have those 20% questions that you constantly do correctly. And if you don't do them correctly, then you have those tables that you can access and then answer them correctly. I also use Ambos in my daily life as a doctor, which prepared me for the exam. Especially on nights, we were a team in my former hospital of three doctors and a night practitioner, and we cover about 300, 400 patients, right? And I use Ambos to troubleshoot problems that I cannot solve on the spot. I mean, this is a real scenario that happened to me. It's 3 a.m., right? I'm exhausted. There's a new patient with atrial fibrillation. 
new onset, never had it before, never had any cardiac issue. Supposedly, it's driven by his pneumonia, but he's deteriorating in front of me. He doesn't respond to his antibiotic. He doesn't respond to the escalated antibiotic. The joxin and beta blockers do not do the job. This person is on a verge of death. I call their family at 3 a.m. I tell them, you need to come in. He might die. I have at least 30 other patients to see that are deteriorating. This patient have former x-rays and everybody always interpreted them as pneumonia. And I just don't know what to do. I'm too tired to think. I'm too stressed to think. I open Ambos. I write this pnea and it just gives me this short summary of what to check and what to do and a checklist. And I go through it and very fast I see that I miss that this person is having bulging neck veins. And then very quickly, I understand that he has this mixed picture of pneumonia, but also pulmonary congestion. We give him diuretic and in 30 minutes, he's breathing peacefully. He fell asleep and we saved his life. Now, of course, if you're already on the job for two years or one year even or three years, then you get accustomed to it. But the fact that you need to handle so many patients with so many different pathologies. You need something that can help you. Now, the thing with the AMBOS platform is that it also gives you the rationale in a very easy to digest manner. So just going with AMBOS through my daily life as a doctor really prepared me for the exam as well. I think it helped me a lot in achieving that score. Wow, amazing. And so cool to hear how transferable it's been for you, you know, practicing medicine in different countries, studying exams in different countries, but you've been able to rely on it as a resource. I'm super happy to hear that. I was also surprised because, you know, initially I use it just for the USMLE exam, but then when I moved to Germany, everybody used it there. And now in England, I also use it on a daily basis. And that's just amazing. And it happened to me in the night shifts as well, that we have patients and the team just doesn't know what to do. And then I opened the Ambos app and Afterwards, the team just asked me, what, what is it that you use? Like, what's the name? And Ambos is just a fantastic product. And I say it without, I don't have any stock, right? Ambos is just, you could see that it's a platform that was done by doctors, for doctors. And I just truly stand behind it because it's a fantastic product. Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting for me to listen to you describe it in real life situations. It's not necessarily that you don't know the information, but when you're treating so many patients and you're so tired like just to have a comprehensive checklist that you can run through and even something to just mentally calm you down that you've got something to help you there you know to help you make the right decisions I think is is amazing yeah definitely 100% very cool well I would like to know what was it like transitioning from practicing medicine in German to practicing in English in the UK that must have been quite a change for you That was a big change, especially the language being involved, which enabled me to have a much better access and genuine human connection with my patients and with my colleagues. In Germany, I practiced in three different hospitals, but all of them were very small. And in the UK, until now, I have practiced only in one district hospital. So hospitals are not like a chain, right? You cannot just go to one and the other and expect to have the same product and the same vibe and the same things as in the other hospital. Every hospital has its own set of regulation, laws and rules. And therefore, everything that I say is truly from my personal experience. And it's not a generalization of the entire country. So practicing medicine in Germany was 
very pure in a sense. It's very straightforward. You follow your own experience and the experience of your superiors, and the guidelines are there to help you, not to dictate your next movements. And documentation is very medical-oriented, medicine-oriented, and not extensive or exaggerated. But in Germany, they also have this tendency to throw you relatively very fast into very deep waters. So that means that you get an entire section of patients, department, and you don't necessarily have so much senior support. Again, depends on which hospital you are and where. But with this responsibility and freedom of movement, you also grow very fast, but in a very brutal way. In England, in contrast, doing medicine is somewhat much slower. It is a specialist-led. We call the specialists in England consultants. And as a trainee, you're functioning more as the executor of those plans. So the plan is being made by the senior doctor, and then you just execute it. Altogether, in the UK, you have much less freedom of movement and practice than in Germany. But I also found myself in Germany many times in situation where the burden of making the decision was unbearable. It was too much for my experience back then. In the UK, this happened relatively less because you do have, I would argue, more senior support. The UK is also very different than Germany in the sense that we do a lot of protective medicine. Documentation is very extensive, there's a lot of paperwork, and there are many more regulations and laws than in Germany. The important thing to remember, though, is that the two systems are very different, right? The model upon which they operate is very different. The NHS is a completely different animal than the German one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's really a very interesting topic because I, I'm from the UK, but I live in Germany. And so I've experienced both healthcare systems as a patient. And, you know, being in Germany where you have this sort of dual system where you can access private care in a way, you know, in comparison to the NHS where you do have to wait for a long time to see specialists if it's not an emergency, but then they have excellent emergency care. You know, it's, it's just very different definitely a topic I think we could talk about in another episode. But I wanted to ask you as well, do you think you might move again? You know, where, where would you like to practice medicine in the future? That's a question that I cannot answer yet. I think that in this rapidly shifting and changing medical universe, it would almost be arrogant and ignorant to say that I already know. Eventually, that there are many factors that contribute to this equation. And without shame, I would say that as I become more mature, I'm currently 32, and experience life, I also change a lot. My priorities change and shift, and what I want change and shift. And I'm currently in this very lucky position where I have three, four more years of training, and only then I have to decide. So for now, I'm more than content with letting life unfold while I keep a very vigilant mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I think as you grow and age and your situation changes, as you said, you want to needs change. So that is a really tricky question. Definitely a difficult one to answer when you can't always predict the future. And I think it's good not to always have a very, very definite plan and change with those changes. Well, Dad, you've given us some absolutely brilliant nuggets of advice. And I'm really, really happy that you were able to take the time to join us, given that you're so busy. But I do have to ask you one more really important question. If you could give our listeners any advice beyond the textbook, what would you say? Um, 
Dr. Evan actually did this thinking experiment with me when I wasn't sure which speciality to choose. And the thinking experiment goes like this. You imagine that you're dead, right? You are at your own funeral. And now comes your spouse or parent or child, and they speak about you. And they will say three things that you are. What do you want those three things to be? And for me, I was shocked to discover what was going in my mind. I always had this image of myself as a doctor in a massive hospital doing research. But then something didn't, there was a dissonance between what my brain wanted and the feeling that I have as I was going forward in this plan. And then when I've done this thinking experiment, I discovered that what I wanted is to be remembered as a trusted physician by my patients and to have a very good connection to them. I wanted everybody to know that I love to hike and that I'm mindful and that I'm a simple man who does simple things, but with great intensity and pleasure. And that was kind of, you know, I was sitting on the fence regarding to stay in hospital or to go to be a GP for a very long duration. I would even say one year, one year and a half. And doing that thinking experiment was the push that I needed in order to get me to where I am right now. And I'm very happy about it. Thank you, Dan. That's really a lovely way to end the episode. Thank you so much, Dan. I'm so happy you could be here. I'm so happy I got to chat with you again. I'm always so impressed with the advice that you've got to share, which is why we really wanted to have you on the podcast again. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, finally, we'd like to leave you with a medical fun fact along the theme of studying, something that might sound a bit self-explanatory, but I think also something really important to remember. Taking breaks and incorporating physical activity can enhance your learning. Research has shown that short breaks during study sessions can help improve focus and retention. Engaging in moderate exercise like a short walk has been linked to increased cognitive function and better academic performance. So the next time you're feeling a bit overwhelmed with studying, consider taking a short break and incorporating some physical activity to refresh your mind. And that's it for today's episode of the Ambos podcast Beyond the Textbook. Thank you all for listening and we hope that it's given you some great insights when it comes to exam preparation, scoring higher with AMBOSS and using it wherever you're practicing medicine, as well as some excellent advice when it comes to studying and practicing internationally. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast for more exciting episodes covering everything in healthcare and medical education. And please don't forget to leave us a great five-star review. Take care, everyone. This has been Sophie Neal and Dr. Tana Schrag with Dr. Dan Levy. And this is Ambos Beyond the Textbook. The links in the description can give you a more in-depth understanding of these concepts. If you like this episode, please give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. You can check out the Ambos platform for your medical studies and sign up for a free five-day trial at amboss.com.